Well, welcome to Metro Archives Back in the Day. I'm Ken Feith, the Metro Archivist, and today we're going to talk about uh, the weather. Uh, Sarah Arntz, who is an archivist uh, with the Metro Archives, she has recently processed uh, a really interesting group of records, the uh, weather journals from uh, Nashville. And I thought Sarah would talk to you some today about that. And Sarah, if you'd tell us about them. Sure. Um, well, I guess I'll start with I discovered them uh, over at our uh, Elm Hill Pike location. Not sure how or remembering why. I may have been looking for them. I may not have been. I don't know. <laughs> um, but there were in about four different boxes that we had over there kind of tucked away, uh, looking a little bit like they needed some help because they're all kind of in, in rough shape. But um, the initial... The initial ones that I found are from the Signal Service uh, Department, which was through the U.S. Army, which I guess if you trace its lineage all the way up to today, it's like the first initial office of the, um, what you call it, the uh, Nashville Weather Service. So um, it starts with Signal Service. They're up through, uh, I think, 1890 is when they stop. And then the Department of Agriculture takes over. And then I think they go through about 1919, something around that time. And then the rest that are later, Department of Commerce. I guess that's who takes over the National Weather Service today. That I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. mm. So really, this was weather reporting, I guess, uh, was part of the U.S. Army Signal Corps for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the, I guess the initial resolution, if I can find the official words for it, that was decided back in the day um, was that I guess they decided the Army would have been the most organized department mm -hmm. to handle it, and it would have been beneficial. I think it was initially just after the war, Civil War, mm -hmm. that they decided that this was a task that the Army, that the that they needed to officially have a government agency take over hmm. an order. And it started with the Great Lakes and then the coasts, like hmm. Pacific and Atlantic, and then spread from there. That's pretty interesting. So we had an office here, and uh, the early things, the, the early journals, I guess, are really a journal. They're like they, they mm -hmm. write in it about the weather. What do they, I mean, what do they tell you? Um, well, they tell you uh, some of them can be a little dull and boring. They're, they may be, um, you know, cloudy day, got a pretty sunset, stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, initially, they usually always talk about, I think I had a list of the, the seven things that they, they mention. It was uh, barometric pressure, and it's changed since the last report, temperature and its 24-hour change, relative humidity, wind velocity, Pressure of the wind in pounds per square foot, amount of clouds, and then state of the weather. So that seems like a lot, <laughs> but some of the reports are really, really basic. Some of them are pretty cool, like the uh, the aurora that they they witnessed, I think, in September of 81, I believe, 1881. Mm -hmm. um, others, you know, I think I came across a tornado whenever they, a couple days later, they realized there was a touchdown. Um there's the eclipse that we saw, so they're they're very descriptive. Yeah, the, the some of the things that you were talking about, like for instance, the eclipse, mm -hmm. the last solar eclipse, I guess, was um, it was 1878, something like that. Yeah, I have it around um, here somewhere. Yeah, and it uh, uh, was, I guess, seen in Nashville. It's interesting that these oh, things come up. Uh, 
like that, you know. So, yeah, what, mm-hmm. did they note it? I mean, did they note that as a big deal at the time? Um, kind of. Um, I don't know. His the description in the in the journal isn't nearly as uh, uh, not as long as the Aurora was because I guess maybe the Aurora may have been the first. I think it even says the first written account of an Aurora in the city. Really? So the eclipse, they don't make as big a deal about it. So I think because it wasn't even a total eclipse. It was ah. just a percentage. But the same thing that happened to us here back in August when we had a cloud cover totality was frustrating. <laughs> the same thing happened to them for a few seconds, but then the cloud shifted and they were able to see it. And it never fails. You know, never the, fails. The one cloudy day. That's yeah. right. All yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And... Um, I think along somewhere along with that, they talked about the uh, the balloon ascension or the buffalo. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I was when I was writing my blog post for this last week. I was trying to do a little bit more research into the the unofficial account of our first uh, the first delivery of airmail. So apparently that's not true. I wish it was. We are not the first unofficial. Shoot. I think Indiana or somebody owns that one. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, but. Um, yes, the the first flight though of the Buffalo, which was in where is it? I think eighteen eighty. No, that was the Aurora, eighteen seventy seven. Hmm. So the the day that that guy uh, went up and he flew over to, I think he landed in Edgefield first, mm-hmm. I believe. Whenever they saw the storm coming, it says he had six other passengers with him. Well, the hmm. The signal service officer Ford was actually one of those uh, passengers as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a. I didn't realize it was that big. So it's fairly. You could. It had passengers in it aside from mail. I guess. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's too bad we that. don't have any photographs of it. But that was his yeah. first trip because it says the Professor S. A. King, which is who the guy was. Um, but that was the first trip. He actually did go up with him again. Hmm. But I think it was a different balloon. It wasn't the buffalo. It was the King Carnival, is what it said it was called, uh, for the purpose of taking meteorological observations, is what it says. Yeah. Hmm. And it says they took off from Public Square. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. The, um, so, actually, well, and I guess the signal service is trying to get an idea of, uh, you mentioned earlier how the, uh, I guess the telegraph would keep ahead of the storms that would come mm-hmm. through here. So yeah. they'd report it in, like, Jackson, and they'd come here or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whoever was, I guess, ahead of the storm got the, the forecast. <laughs> Anybody else that got the initial storm, you, you just had to deal with it. Um, yeah, I think before the signal service officially started, um, I read that the Smithsonian, the first director, Henry, I think is what his name mm-hmm. was, uh, he was big into this idea that the telegraph would be able to help weather observations and predictions. So I think they set up a certain amount of different um, volunteer stations around the country that would then deliver their their forecasts, their observations uh, via telegraph. And then I think those were then redistributed back out once they brought all the, da- the data back to the institution, and then it was redistributed to these uh, various locations hmm. for them. So that was kind of, I think whenever that took over, I think around the 1840s, 50s, they were starting to see the, the progression of this science and decided, okay, the government needs to take this now. Yeah, take this over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know, you know. <laughs> well, that's wild. Uh, the, um, 
So really, this is fairly scientific mm -hmm. as, as looking at the journals. I mean, they record yeah. these things fairly precisely, I guess. Yeah, some of it I don't understand at all. I just transcribed it. Just transcribe it. The yeah. various tools they use. I mean, the, the thermometer, obviously, barometer, the anometer, I, all of the stuff. I don't hmm. quite understand it, but I, I guess all the, the, the soldiers, the different officers in the signal service had to go through training and actually had to go through a school as well that would that? provided this information for them. Mm -hmm. And they would, uh, I guess they would compile a forecast and then print it in the paper or put it in the courthouse or did they publish Both, it somehow? I think so. And it, over the years, I can't remember all the different agencies that ended up with it, but it started with the newspapers got them. I think the, it was posted in, you know, the courthouse, any other public offices, and then it expanded quite a bit to the various other institutions around the city. Hmm. Uh, hospitals, I think, were, were big in it because hmm. a couple of the entries I was reading whenever Nashville had the, was it the Spanish flu in the early? Yeah, 1918. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think they, that was, benef I think a lot of people came to um, the weather, the signal service asking, you know, what's the predictions for the next few days? Hmm. Um because one of them, it really, I think we were going through a heat wave, and it it just completely, I mean, the weather impacted every bit of the the disease, I guess. So. Well, you're figuring before, you know, before air conditioning, before any kind of oh, yeah. heating and cooling, you know. Oh, yeah, that's mentioned and, uh, quite a bit in those oh, books. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, can you imagine sitting in that office in July? And... Yeah. Yeah, I think my favorite entry was the one when the officer, uh, once you start getting to the the hotter months with each of these journals, they start getting a little saucier with their entries. <laughs> they're they're frustrated that they're having to sit in an office and record the weather. And one guy left his keys in his pocket one day, and they rusted over from excessive <laughs> perspiration. Um, and I think the entry after that, he said something along the lines of, my duties today aren't very favorable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, humidity here, it's great. You know? uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Nashville's always been hot. No, it's always hot, you know. Yep. Um, you know, one thing that has come up in other records, too, is in the, the wintertime, we heat with cold so much. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering if that had a, I wonder if the, you mentioned the hospitals earlier, and I'm wondering if that, if they were pulling in those weather records to kind of gauge, you know, health and weather and how that's tied, the summer yeah. month and the Spanish flu, you know. Yeah, I think they, yeah, they all kind of helped each other, I suppose, the, the yeah. weather. I think once people started realizing that this was um, a, an institution in the city that was very, it was very favorable for many, many reasons, economic and yeah. definitely for hospitals. Yeah. So actually cool. in the, um, the early journal that I'm transcribing now, which is, it's more, it's the station reports. It's hmm. not per se the weather observations. They are, um, so this was before Nashville's uh, station started hmm. working because I, I don't think na the cities around the country outside of the Great Lakes and the coasts, they didn't have their stations operating until a few years after the initial start. Hmm. Um, so these station reports were they sent some guy to Nashville to stake out a, a building, find some place where they'll be able to set up the station, So, and then bills that he sends back to the the actual initial station in D.C. Hmm. Um, they talk about, yeah, purchasing coal, sending a receipt. Um, and I was, I think, able to finally figure out where the first station was located. It was on Public Square. On the public, I was curious about yeah. that, if you could determine in there somewhere. 
where it was from or where it was located, I guess. And yeah. That kind of makes sense to be on the public square. You know? Yeah, because they were always talking about ri- river observation, so uh. they were close, at least for that. I think they said for sure they were uh, on 70.5, so 70 and a half Cherry Street, so 4th hmm. Avenue now. Okay. Um, between, a, let's see, half a block distance from the office of Gates and Pullman, which they were located on Union and College. Oh, okay. So that's so. It's pretty close to downtown. And, mm-hmm. and I guess they're looking over it. They occasionally see the river then. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I think that's... Yeah. Because it said it was his office. It didn't per se say the office, but I'm going to jump and assume that's exactly what he meant. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's my office, you know. Yeah. 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 Um, You had said something earlier about, uh, when we talked about this, uh, shooting stars. I thought that Mm -hmm. was real curious for, you know, Nashville, there's so much light here now. I doubt you could ever see anything like that. Yeah, I think that was... Well, yeah, light pollution, like you say, that was probably um, important for whenever they saw the aurora, too. The less light pollution, the better. But, yeah, let's see. The official shooting stars entry said, let's see, three shooting stars were observed, followed in about five seconds by two more of greater brilliancy. They love that word brilliancy in these journals. (laughs) I've noticed that a lot. Uh, The apparent course of the meteors was a downward curve with a direction from south to north. Uh, fair yellow one-eighth sunset. A lot of them say that. I don't know what that means, hmm. but, and then verified. But there was no aurora that day. Every single huh. entry ends with no aurora. <laughs> they're, they're just waiting for <laughs> that, that aurora one thing day. aurora going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's wild. So these things are very uh, detailed as far as what's yes. going on. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. longest one is the aurora one. Like, I, I couldn't read that one right now if I wanted to because it would take probably the half hour that we have. <laughs> But he goes into very great detail of the the aurora, talking about how many different beams they saw, the directions it shoots up, how long it took. Uh, I think it was at great brilliancy around, or the maximum brilliancy was 4.15 a.m. to 4.40 a.m. And the actual length of it was 3.46 to 4.15 a.m. That's like a half hour. So, I mean, that's a... It's pretty... That's pretty amazing, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't realize you could see those things that this far south. You know, I do uh, today definitely yeah. not. But oh yeah. yeah, I don't. And this was I forget what year this was. I'm not sure. Somewhere in there, 18, 1881. That's when it was actually a September okay. of eighteen eighty one. Okay. So that kind of makes sense. That was going into the the winter months, which I think is typically now when you're you're more able to see it if you go up to say Iceland or anything yeah. close to the the Arctic Circle, yeah. That's pretty interesting. They, uh, so it sounds like they. I mean, this is a twenty-four hour thing. They, as far as yes. you know. Yes, yeah. I think. Let's see. Also, they said with all the the seven different observations that they made, they did them at various times during the day. Let's hmm. see, three times a day, but they were constantly. I think somebody must have stayed on call twenty-four-seven because. I mean, they had to, I guess, if that was just their job. But so it is the weather, you know. Yeah, that, yeah it's never yeah. going to stop. It doesn't, doesn't close. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, 7.35 a.m., 4.35 p.m., and 11.35 p.m. I think that was the initial times that they observed. But I guess the earlier journals, it was just whatever you saw during the day, you recorded it. Okay. So it just – so it um, – it got more standardized, I guess, as it went on. Yeah, yeah eventually they, they go into the, I think they're kind of boring, but the more boring <laughs> statistical books where they actually have the charts and everything's written out and they just have to fill in blanks as opposed to these just 
notebooks that mm. you just write a narrative yeah. of what you saw that day. That's interesting. So these mm-hmm. are handwritten. I mean, they're hand-done mm-hmm. journals. With- mm-hmm. Yeah, I forget how many, at what point, what year they, they quit uh, doing it that way. And they thought, hey, this is easier. Let's do a statistics Let's a chart. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure this could be easier. Yeah. Um, but several of them that we have, even though some of them I've already kind of wrapped up and have tucked away, I've set aside a good collection for our volunteers to, to scran- mm-hmm. transcribe some of the more entertaining ones. <laughs> well, how, uh, you got yeah. a couple that uh, got a couple of you like, or a couple of good ones. Um, let's see. Well, yeah, the uh, the the rusted keys was my <laughs> yeah, favorite that's, one. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I think, keys rush in your pocket. Yeah, and I think that was in the eighteen between eighteen seventy seven and eighteen seventy nine. Um, anything anytime during the summer months are my favorites, just because, like I say, they. That's when they start getting, like, they are so frustrated with how hot it is here. It goes hot, hotter, hottest. Like, um, and the winter months, it's, it's wow. they're kind of fun to read because, you know, we don't see the snow here that obviously they had then. Hmm. Um, so you Check. get to read how many inches that they had back then, the how they had to deal with it. So I don't know. Hmm. Those, I guess, during the more extreme seasons, they get more entertaining. I guess so. I mean, I've just... Sitting here thinking about, it. I have a mental image of that sitting in that office in that wool uniform. Oh gosh, you yeah. Know, writing down with that ink pen about what mm-hmm. is going on, and you know, July. Uh, and there's no moot, there's no air, there's no anything, you know. So yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yep. Well, is anything you um, want to leave with it as far as weather journals here? Let's see. Um, well, I was trying to go back and look up whenever I discovered the actual meaning of hog killing weather. Oh I yeah, did the, yeah, yeah. I couldn't find the entry. It's somewhere hidden in one of. It might be in one of the books I already wrapped up and put mm-hmm. away. But um, I was finally able to. I never knew what that phrase meant. I've heard it about a thousand times when people refer to it. But I guess it's maybe the fall time, thirties mm. to forties weather. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I kind of just Googled it to see what description i found um one of the blogs said the time to kill a hog was in the fall when weather is cool enough so the large quantity of raw meat doesn't immediately start to spoil but not so cold that it freezes so before refrigerators <laughs> well, see now that you've heard it here first officially that <laughs> yes. hog killing time is between 30 and 40 degrees there and, you go you know, see, see it's amazing what you can find you know mm-hmm. so yeah so, i so think it's probably out of hog killing time now yeah, yeah. well uh, uh-huh. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe Saturday. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, it's the 60s right now outside. I mean, the weather's kind of tumultuous this week, but maybe the weekend. Yeah, yeah the weekend. You can go okay. out and get yourself well, a hog. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I can see how that's. It's interesting that they uh, Nashville's still somewhat agricultural. You know, they have farms yeah. around it and all that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to go back and try to find that entry. I looked, but I, it just was a little notation saying that somebody had asked the guy, is it hog killer weather? And the guy said, yeah, yeah, sure, go ahead. Sure, that's wild. Yeah. All right, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, I appreciate your time. Yeah. And uh, thank you for listening. And uh, have a good day. 